0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three Dungeon Masters have been doing this for way too long. talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Tony. I put a spell on you because you're mine.
1: You better stop the things you do. I (laughs) lie. And then it's a whole thing after that. Scream Scream at (laughs) Hawkins,
0: Putting a spell on you is the rock and roll DM, DM Dave. (laughs) So here's a little plug.
1: I'm just throwing it out there. Anybody who's got Spotify or anything like that, my old band, the Crypt Keeper 5. Five did a version of "I Put a Spell on You" that's fucking awesome. So it was after I was in the band, so it's I'm not on it, but it's a great version. Go listen to it. There you go.
0: Man, you weren't you? What's something you could listen to when you were on the band? Oh, uh, everything else that the
1: Grateful Revive has released.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're you recommending the one song you weren't involved in.
1: Until the new album drops, and then you guys will hear Brian. But other than that, but no, that had to do with the song specifically for Screaming Jay. So, all
0: right, yeah, for and that goes and that is in response to a listener email we got or listener Instagram message because we're on the IG, like all the Uh, kids. yeah, (laughs) we're in the (laughs) battle. instagram message from jedi shocker he's been on the he's been uh we, we've answered some of his questions on the show before and we're going to answer one today and we also have another we have an, we have another message that dovetails with this <laughs> so what we're responding to is jedi shocker's instagram message to us which is okay so i have a theoretical question for you O wise dms and oh. yeah, we, we appreciate it. we we we, we mm. promise we're as wise as we sound and you know aren't in all the three stooges of dming
1: the tithe has been paid
0: <laughs> I have a player who wants to play a wizard, but doesn't like having to prepare spells. So I was thinking about it. Based on the wording of how you would prepare spells, would the keen mind feet negate the need to prepare spells daily because you remember everything from the last month? So if you quote-unquote prepare every spell you know once a month, shouldn't you therefore have it prepared always, as long as you have the spell components to cast them? That's actually – that's an interesting question because it kind of covers two things um and we have another we have another message we're going to introduce as well in a second here but that kind of covers two things one of them being letting players bend the rules the other one being raw versus interpretive or raw versus real world interpretation of the rulings because by raw it probably doesn't work but if you start thinking about how does a didactic memory work maybe it does You know, so that's in one question we're going to be covering today. And then dovetailing with that, we got a message on the website called bending the rules, which is how do you deal with a player that is a veteran, but will constantly try to bend the rules to give themselves an edge. Example, saying the barbarian rage keeps working when polymorphed. This is only one of the many shenanigans that I've experienced with the same player. And I know he knows better because he is quick to correct the DM. Also, I would like to know how to deal with such a player from a DM and a player standpoint. Love the podcast, by the way. Again, being tithe paid. Tithe has been paid. (laughs) Let's see, this comes to us from, we actually do not have a name or email on this. So thank you very much for sending us in the question. So we have two things to talk about today. Really dealing with the idea of bending the rules to fit what the players want to do from a couple different angles. So I think, let's start off with a general, how firm are your rules and how willing are you to bend them for the way the player wants to play? Well, I think that's kind of a philosophy
2: question of in your game. So we're in a game with magic elves and spells. So can I do anything? Can I attempt anything within reason, within boundaries of what my character could physically do? Or can I just attempt the actions that are specifically listed in the PHP and the source books? I think that's a bigger question.
0: Yeah, that's what they call the raw question, right? Raw rules as written. Some people, some DMs are really strict on interpreting. the. You can only do what the rules say and nothing beyond it. I will say even Jeremy Crawford often rules against that, so you don't need to play that way. But that is the question, do you only, and it comes down, it comes up for things like, if you're levitating, can you use Mage Hand to push you? And someone with a raw background would say, no, you cannot, because levitation only says you can move by pushing yourself along walls and ceilings and things like that. So the Mage Hand, it doesn't specifically say Mage Hand can move you, it doesn't specifically say you have no friction. So, no, Mage Hand can't push you when you're levitating, only you can move yourself. That's the raw interpretation, where it's kind of a more real-world interpretator, kind of a more uh, interpretive interpretation. That's not helping. <laughs> no. But something that's a, little, that's a little more trying to take a physical point of view of the world, like this is a world of physics, and not just the the, the rules as written in the book, not just game logic, but also this physical yeah. logic, may say that if you're levitating, you have less friction, therefore the Mage Hand's 10 pounds of pressure can move you and those are kind of two different schools of dming there's a huge debate about these things on facebook and places like that uh and i find it really interesting because on the one hand you can get really creative with the physical interpretation of your world on the other hand the rules as written are a much safer playground to play it
1: yeah yeah i um i think every single one of us uh bends the rules almost every game anytime we are adjudicating to a I said, well no but, but when why, the DM
0: bends the rules, that's just
1: called interpretation. <laughs> it's just called being a DM, right? Because you're you're yeah. you're rolling out, you're not stopping and we've talked about this many times, you're not stopping every five seconds to check the rule book. You are doing things on the fly, you are responding also to the players. And I know just from my last we just did another uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden game mm. and they came up with several things where I went, There's no real rule for this or I really just think that's a super cool idea and I want to incentivize them doing super cool ideas so I'm going to let this one go. So we we're doing that every single game I think or at least you know most of our games at some point in the game you're abandoning ah, that rule, you know, or you're breaking it entirely.
0: And actually um, you bring up what is almost the third route. You know, the kind of there's kind of almost three paths here. The middle the, the you know there's the there's the only the rules you know, right. rules is written path. There's the physical world interpretation, would that work or not work? And then there's the, quote-unquote, Matt Mercer's favorite, (laughs) rule of cool. Rule of cool, yeah. We're using the rule of cool there? It's cool, it works? To a
1: point, to a point, where I think it breaks down is in Jedi Shocker's question, where the person wants to change a massive mechanic of the way in which spellcasters have worked since – the first uh, iteration of the game when he brought in banshee and magic from Jack Vance right <laughs> this idea that and Matt Colville does a great uh, a great video on this but he talks about and magic this idea that the spell is a thing that lodges in your brain and is just there until you cast it and then it's gone And if you understand that, you go, oh, okay, I can see where they kind of came up with this whole like preparing spells idea that doesn't make any sense for someone that's not coming from that background. Right. Because like, wait, I like I just forgot the recipe for mayonnaise. Like I just made it yesterday. But like, wait, is it is it oil or do I use orange juice? I can't even remember,
0: you know. That's true, and that's it's one of the more interesting things about D and is the whole fancy and magic system. Because for some reason. Gary Gygax, when they chose to make Dungeons and Dragons, decided to to take a really off the wall version of magic. I ever mean, like created, if you're I think. yeah, if you're thinking about how do I cast magic spells in my game, this is the last thing that would come to my <laughs> mind. <laughs> this fancy and magic system that this random author has—I've never read anything from Jack Vance. I don't even know. Like I have not. Like for me, it's totally out of context. I'm just like, well, that's just how D and D works, and it, it worked for me, you yeah. know? But I mean, I feel like almost anyone else would come up with like a spell point system or something. Oh, right. Yeah.
2: Or mana, something really off the wall like hey, that. Man,
0: what is that? That sounds <laughs> incredibly.
2: Instead, uh, every spell you read yeah. is like loading your gun with a bullet. And you're like, all right, you spin the barrel. And you're like, I'm going to use this bullet and I shoot and it's gone until I stop and reload it out. Well, the synapses
0: are burned out and I can't remember the, I can't remember it again until tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Cause
1: like, rules is written right if you bring up the keen mind feat you know along the other things that it gives you is you can accurately recall anything you have seen or heard within the past month that would include the spell book that you're literally looking at like it's your life's breath
0: yeah you'd like right? have you'd have it memorized you have to
1: right i mean that that's their whole thing is they're fucking DD nerds right so <laughs> that's all they do is that so reading the keen mind you go wait why can't i just always have it? I love that idea. I just realized that that completely breaks the the class and makes every other class go, dude,
0: what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it, it basically takes the one limitation on a wizard, which is that the wizard can learn all the spells, but they can only remember so many a day. That's the only limitation they have. So if you throw that out, you now have the wizard as effectively a better sorcerer. It's a sorcerer with like 10 times more spells, which brings up the question, Why not play a sorcerer instead? Mm.
2: Back in the day, I had a homebrew character class called a air quotes spell weaver. And this was from a series of books one of my friends enjoyed. Uh, And basically, he could do exactly that. He could draw upon any amount of those spells very freely with no limitations. It was far worse back in the day. So, I mean, we get short rest now to recover spells. We can recover after eight hours you know, versus I am waiting a whole, like, you know, deep rest and recovering. So it it is certainly smoother. But it brings up other questions as outside of specifically spellcraft, for example. Would you allow, we're in a sword duel, and I say, I want to strike you in the hand. Mm. Can I?
0: Cold shots. If,
2: and if not, why in God's name can't I?
0: Oh, the old cold shots rule. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, and, from a, and it's funny because from a rule of cool point of view, you probably allow it. From a rules as written point of view for 5e, you don't allow it, at least not with the rules they have currently. Yep. Although you did have supplemental rules come out in other editions that let you do things
1: like Even that. Even though I think you do have things like uh, Zhang, like with the Battlemaster stuff.
0: You can do some stuff like you that, You could do yeah. things like disarm, which would be the only reason
1: you're shooting at somebody's hand anyway, right, is to disarm them of something, so... Uh, yeah, so they yeah. attempted to answer that with additional mechanics. But, yeah, you, you leave that room open of,
0: well, why can I? Well, I will say, so in, from the middle path point of view, from the actual like kind of like physical world point of view, you have chances in a fight to snipe someone's hand or maybe go for a, a per- certain kind of blow in a certain vulnerable position, but only for a second because – can you snipe a hand, which is what they call it in in in, in HEMA sparring, historical European martial arts right. sparring, they will, it's a, it's a known tactic. Yeah, I'm going to try to score a hit by sniping, by, by hitting your weapon hand, because that's farther forward. And if you're using a sword, like a long sword, that doesn't have a ton of protection on the hand, it's a vulnerable target. So I'll try to snipe your hand. But it's only really eligible if the opponent is in a position where you can snipe his hand. Like if he's out of range, if he's sitting in the wrong spot, you don't have the opportunity to. So if you're looking at it from a realistic battle point of view or a realistic fencing point of view, you can't snipe a hand whenever you want. You have to recognize the opportunity to snipe a hand and then snipe the hand. You know, and that's kind of the thing. That's that's kind of the counter argument to cold shots, which is you're only half in control of what's happening here. You can want to take a headshot or a leg shot or whatever, but you need them to be there for you to. T- you need them to be in a stance in a position that lets you take it. That lets you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So so you only have half control over it, which is sort of the argument against, although we've had a lot of fun with cold shots over the years, the old, the, the old second edition house rule we had, and this, I don't think it was a terrible, well, it could be a terrible house Mm -hmm. rule at times, but was, what was it? Negative five for a cold shot. If you just wanted to basically, if you hit a critted, I believe, and negative 10, if you wanted to hit something small and kind of have like a super crit, was that how your, how your system used to work? It
2: it was minus four and minus eight respectively. So you get a cold (laughs) shot. It was maximum damage. And if you scored the negative eight hits, and that was your entire action, but then that was an automatic advanced critical. It wasn't just a straight double damage. Then you're getting the possibility uh, you could do double damage, but you could potentially do three, four, and even five times damage.
0: Yeah. I took something like that when – so in the second edition Combat and Tactics book, we've talked about it before, they had critical hit charts that compared the – it was a compli- a little bit complicated, but it, very intuitive, I thought, actually, where – you had, um, you rolled a D10 to see what you were going to hit, like to see what part of the opponent's body you were going to hit. And then if you crit it, your weapon die had a crit die, you rolled that die, and the higher you rolled, the high the more damaging the crit was. And the thing was, more damaging weapons had bigger dice. So, like, a dagger had a smaller die than, say, a, than, say, a maul. Like, a maul could, like, take a leg off, or a dagger could just cause some bleeding. Um, But within that system, I would let you basically, instead of rolling randomly to see where you hit, which makes some sense, because like I said, you don't always control that. You can only hit where they give you the opportunity to hit. I would let you take a negative five in order to target one air, one of those 10 optional areas and then get to and then if you happen to crit, you automatically got on that part of the table because it was literally by, you know, if you the crit table literally spelled out different crit effects, depending if you had a head, a, a arm, a leg or a torso. So yeah. I would let you take the negative to call where you were going to hit. And then if you crit it, you you were you, were, you would be, be putting it uh putting the damage directly there and you could play with something where you could auto crit there if you gave him a big enough negative or something
1: and that's cool like all of those things right because we start to homebrew stuff it's like this doesn't make sense for me in my world and the verisimilitude of it so i want to try to build something to answer that that's awesome i think that's great with this specifically though this is very much i want this one class that i'm playing to have an advantage that no one else can get. Because what you would be looking at with a wizard is mm-hmm. someone who has the ability to cast any spell in any of the supplements or the player's handbook at any time. The wizards really get not everything's a wizard spell. But every well, no, okay. but so it's a much bigger spell. We can't call things. Cool. So he can't cast Fucking cure wounds or something, okay, right? Uh, or, but,
0: or what's the one? I think destructive wave is the one that's only there for paladins. But the
1: idea uh, of right that you have the ability to cast any wizard spell at any time now that fits a lot when you think about like what a wizard is, right? Because if you yeah. think about this person who has studied magic for the last 40 years of their life and they've reached this level. They should kind of have that Doctor Strange kind of feel where, oh, you need to do this thing. I can do a spell for that. Right. Um, and you see that reflected in the Marvel system where spellcasters, they even put in the book like magic in the Marvel Universe, if you allow it, is a can of, is an opening a can of worms because it absolutely is because it will break so many things all the time. It's cool. But the problem is, is that it's not unless you're going to allow that for your clerics in some fashion, for your sorcerers in some fashion, your warlock, like those other spellcasters become way less powerful for no reason other than this person spoke first, uh, you know.
0: And that's kind of the tricky thing in this whole idea, which is players come to you with ideas. I don't want to play my card this way. I want to work that way. And now, as much as we would all love to be able to say, yeah, do whatever you want, 95% of the time, what they want to do makes their character better than the other characters. <laughs> and that brings us into the other ar- to, to the other article we have over here, or the other email we have over here. How do you deal with a player that is a veteran but will constantly try to bend the rules to give themselves an edge? Yeah. That's where these two questions really dovetail. Because, you know, like you said, it seems that it's an enough. Oh, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to prepare spells. Okay. Well, that's not as innocent as it sounds. That really gives him a huge advantage over the other players at the table and probably makes him the dominant, the most effective class, the most effective character on the table, more effective than the other players playing the game. And that's like what you have with this guy over here, trying to find shenanigans that let him, you know, it's not really any different from, from the player in the other message trying to find, trying to find as many shenanigans as they can to make their play, to give their player an advantage. Like, um, one of the things being discussed there is that, you know, saying his barbarian rage keeps working when he's polymorphed. Interesting point about that. Um, So long as you're not the one casting the polymorph, I think it does. Because, like, it does work. Like, if you're a druid, it does work. Like, a druid, a raging druid that shapeshifts does stay raging. It's a little different with polymorph, though, because you literally turn
1: into that creature. You still have the personality, but every other stat reverts to the creature. Um, and that's where I think it can sometimes get a little funky. I know that like people have talked about uh, being a cleric and casting something like Spiritual Weapon and then Raging because you don't need to concentrate on it.
2: Yes. But or just a want of polymorph.
1: But it depends. Like, do you still rage if you polymorph into a dire wolf or a, or a grape ape, right? Like we always would do the the giant ape. Um, does the ape rage, or is it already kind of that way because it's a beast? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I don't. You know, um, and I'm just kind of took a quick, uh, quick. Like if I polymorph a paladin, he can't
1: divine smite as an ape. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not that I know of. I mean, if Jeremy Crawford wants to to to, to tweet call in on this, please let us know. But uh, <laughs> I would love to see what happens if that's the case, because that changes the game
0: entirely. Yeah, and like so, according to Jeremy Crawford, the rage ends if you are, if you are polymorphed.
1: That would be my that would be my thought. Just with the way in which polymorph reads and what it's doing.
0: Yeah, because Jeremy Crawford's ruling on this is Polymorph replaces your game statistics, including class features, with those of the beast. And if you're a barbarian, you lose rage. So, yeah, so that so he says the rage ends. Now, you could, again, take your three paths of DMing. You could argue that a couple different ways. Uh, from the game mechanics point of view, the rage ends. Um, so I guess it's just shenanigans. And, yeah, you know, that's the thing. Players who want to bend the rules are often, at the end of the day, bending it to their huge benefit when they can
2: I think that comes back to that uh, the infamous rules lawyer versus the rules attorney. The rules, rules lawyer. Divorce attorney. Yeah. The D
1: D divorce lawyer.
2: <laughs> really, you know, the rules lawyer really cares about how the rules are written uh, are written. They want the game to adhere to that. Some people only want to play in that world. That is not my bag. If you are, hey, that that is yours. Enjoy. But the rules attorney is always looking for the best is looking for the best
0: possible settlement in every situation for them, not you. Yeah, the rules of the divorce attorney is very hard to play with because D and D is not a game. It's unlike other games, like I don't like to say Magic the Gathering. D and D is not a game that's built that is really built for a uh, competitive interpretation of the rules. It, I think the game. I think the fun of the game falls apart when you play it that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say too, there's a big difference as well because when I first read that, I went, well, there's a difference between some. Sometimes I think when you're playing with that. Veteran players, which I do. I mean, you two are perfect examples. You'll find people that understand the rules on a level that a casual or a new player is just not going to understand. Like we were just having our discussion over crit fishing and things like that, like ways in which you see how the rules are written to build this thing out that is completely legal. And that's a little, di- that's ve- not a little, that's very different from someone who's yeah. just trying to say, you know what? Fuck the rules. I just want something cool. Gimme. You know? I don't care about these other four people at the table that, you know, they can still only cast Goodberry. Meanwhile, I'm over here casting Meteor Swarm eight times somehow. You know,
2: like that seems fair.
1: Yeah, like that's not, you know.
2: I'm annoyed that as a mage you can only get one ninth level spell. Like, what is going on? Mm. Um The spell
1: plague. That's what's going on.
0: Ah, uh, <sighs>
1: that's how they wrote it in that's how they they finally corralled it in so that you didn't have those like 10th and and further on spells like you used to have
2: i miss stockpiling my level spells that just hurts <laughs>
0: actually can't can't you recharge a spell as a wizard uh, I, don't, I don't that level though i thought that that spell recharge ability applies to any level spell does it go to any level I thought so. I don't know. I can you I, recharge, I think you can recharge your highest spell slot. I haven't played a wizard, so I am trying to run. I know.
1: It. I played wizards in other in other systems, not in uh in 5e though, so I'm not as uh as familiar.
0: My my the, the crit fishing build I've been playing with uh the the idea I'm playing with would be very cool because it comes with a sadistic elven vengeance paladin, who would just be a lot of fun to play. He, but he's not going to be good. Like he's like lawful neutral at best.
1: <laughs> just really agile.
0: <laughs> oh super super really cool.
1: really agile
0: he would be like one of these like elven supremacist kind of characters you know right right you know it, it may, may, on the borderline borderline but like yeah like you know oh now i get to hurt you great here's here's the critical here's the whole person critical hit you know 5d10 10, 10, you know 5d10 yeah Might, yeah throw the whole a thing couple at smites the, in him you kind yeah. of the the, the the spider does not have mercy for the fly kind of attitude and no, you cannot regain ninth level spells back with a l- unless you take a long rest. Oh, what's the uh what what is the highest level for the uh for the slot recharge?
2: Uh you can only regain sixth level slots uh with arcane recovery and sorcerers can't go above five. Ah, okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. yeah. Huh. huh. I feel like if you actually really searched around this is where I feel like we maybe haven't gotten to this level yet, because um I'm sure there's some way <laughs> you to to level spells in the day. <laughs> what's that? I-
2: I guess we haven't. I'm trying. I
0: really am. We're getting there. We're getting there. With
2: that said,
1: I did uh, what it did, and I said this in the precast too, just as a little fun thing, and this is where I think you can start to take it, is a player comes to you with something, Mm -hmm. and they want to bend the rules. They want to break the rules. They want to make something that the world hasn't seen. That's awesome. That shows a level of player investment, as long as it's not just, you know, divorce lawyers are not player investment. They're just sharks, right? Yeah. But let's be even keeled about it. Say it's player investment. They just really want to get into this. And, you know, cool. All right. So you brought me your idea. Now. You make your argument where you say, well, I have keen mind and that means I can remember anything I've seen in the last month. Okay, that's kind of cool. All right. And I'm always, you know, we talk, the fancy and magic thing is a little weird. I get it. It really, it, the suspension of disbelief starts to really run on like all cylinders, right? <laughs> so what if that's where you can start to play with making something that works for your world? I made up the point. What if you had something like any scroll you come across, you can cast if you make the proper check intelligence check or arcana check something and almost anybody can cast a spell if they can read what it says on the scroll so is that possible by opening your spell book and having some level of a check of increasing difficulty with possible backfires possible wild magic surges possible uh things that explode in your face or that's page in the spell book burns away because too much power went through it and not in a focused, you know, whatever, right? Not in a focused way. And I know you guys had said, well, you could do that in second uh, second edition. And like something like that, where you start to play with it to make it fun, interesting, but also not just, oh, you have all the power. Well, no, now you could burn your whole goddamn spellbook spell book up if you're not careful. Yeah. You know?
0: Actually, that's actually... Um... That's a that that's that's a pretty good way to think about it, you know. Uh, now, second edition did have the ability. So, the way it worked in second edition, and I can't swear that this wasn't a house rule, but I'm pretty sure it was in the book, <laughs> was you could cast a spell out of your spell book, and it would act exactly like a scroll. That page disappeared. Oh. So, when you're down and out, and you're down to it, and you got to save your life, you can cast it out of your book, but you lose it. So maybe you recopied it somewhere, which would cost you money and time. So you might have it somewhere else, but that page in your spell book goes away. So that was the way that you, that that worked. We also had an interesting build Tony put together with, with me. And we've heard, we've talked about Nort Spellslinger before. He was my um second edition gnome wild mage. And at one point he turned into a book And the book. I believe uh-huh. let me cast every spell in D and D once. Is it, am I remembering that that mechanic correct, Tony?
2: Well, you were a book, and all the spells were in there. I mean, I didn't really nail that
0: to the floor, but essentially... <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I believe, it because Guy had, yeah, this was this was the, uh, he got three wishes from a deck of many things, and he knew exactly what his wishes was going to be, which is, I want the I want to know all the spells, I want to be able to cast all the spells, and I forgot, the third one was like something else about, and like, that. Into... yeah, I want to be able to cast them whenever I want, or something like that. I was like, and now I, I had ways to work this out, but Tony totally did not appreciate that.
2: <laughs> not that not was, a level nine in the system that went the level 40 now
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but the mechanic we used for that was that yeah i could cast uh, the the book as the book i could cast any spell once and that was it like i couldn't i couldn't come back and recast it again so that's now that that, that was one house rule that kind of worked in something like this where you're not memorizing spells what i think another thing i think you could do with that is come at it from a boon point of view Right. okay, I, I get keen mind could make this work theoretically if you want to interpret it that way. I do feel like when you're bringing that kind of uh rules bending into the game, you need to balance it with the other players in the game because otherwise they're gonna yeah you know, this guy's gonna shine above everybody else you're basically you're, you're 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 basically taking one character and telling him he can build a superhero and everyone else has to build a regular hero but you could do something like uh maybe allow a boon that would do it or something or um, You know, maybe take it down to like, you know, maybe he's able to get to get something like, maybe they're able to get like a like a uh, some kind of ring or something that enables them to access all the spells they've they've ever seen or something like that. But then you have something that can be dispelled. There's something that can be stolen, taken away. You have a way to get rid of it then if it's not working in your game. If you make it a game mechanic, like Mm. you just say keen mind works this way, you can't get rid of keen mind. But you put it on a spell, you put it on a divine boon or something. Now, at least if it backfires, you can take it away somehow. You can also tweak it. You know, maybe he burned out the ring and it works differently now. So I might go about that more with an in-game item or boon kind of approach rather than a tweaking how the game mechanics work kind of approach. Uh, Because that just gives you a lot more ways you can control what's going on.
2: I think it's interesting. That uh, you believe this character wouldn't have a fireball memorized for 75% of his spells anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think,
0: <laughs> I don't want to memorize spells, but I do want to cast fireball with me. I actually memorized
1: fireball on all levels of spell casting. So, That's right. yes.
0: <laughs> he, very rare, he found the very rare first level fireball. <laughs> I mean, uh, Rasmus had a lot of that locked
2: at one point. I'm like, I got my third, fourth, and fifth level lightning bolts locked and loaded. All
0: right. Yeah, now we're. We're good. Let's go. This is going to be shocking no matter what happens.
2: Yes. No, I have a character (laughs) theme to maintain and we will, but I guess if you're playing in a world where, for example, access to spells is more limited for the wizard because the wizard actually has to, he gets two, they get two spells per level to learn for free. Yeah. But aside from that, you got to go find, learn, buy, study these spells. So if we're traveling in the, I don't know, the Anorak Desert or the jungles of Choles, yeah. perhaps all of these Yangtze snake people are dropping spell books. So then perhaps <laughs> to stay in the flavor of the game that DM would offer that flexibility, I could see that. But if it's like an open world like Greyhawk, then yeah, then the world is his character's oyster and they're casting whatever they want, whatever they want. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's like when uh, Thorne said, you know, don't let it outshine the other players. I'm just thinking, like, I went back to my idea of, like, the wizard is Doctor Strange, and everyone looks at it like that. But what you're looking at with that is if you made this mechanic, you're looking at, like, Doctor Strange hanging out with Daredevil when he's just beating up, like, drug dealers, right? And he's just blasting them into the earth while Daredevil's punching them, and it's just really anticlimactic, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he just takes the whole the whole band of plucky foot ninjas and just he, warps them. Who,
1: yeah, he, they're just in
0: Ring, some multiverse rolling. now.
1: Yeah, so what's there's no big problem. Can we go get shawarma now?
0: You know, like <laughs> what the hell, dude?
2: Drug dealers. Uh, I am not here to bargain.
0: I, I mean, Doctor Strange has that kind of power because he is the sorcerer supreme. Yeah, He got yeah. access to all of these things through his research and through his rank and through the the. Through the boons, essentially, he was plugged into, and the magic mm. item he has. The time, you know, the the, the, the Eye of Agamotto is really good point.
1: important. That's you know? a good point. The boons and the items were creating it, rather than the class feature, as it were.
2: Right. He's yeah, yeah. So, just a stupid ninja. He's like a ninth degree black belt with super hearing and reflexes. That loser. <laughs>
0: yeah. Daredevil. Yeah, Dare, Daredevil. Daredevil's just, he's a hes a boxer with blind fighting. That's yeah,
1: like, Daredevil was awesome, but he's just not going to hang out with Doctor Strange. Like, it's just
0: not the thing. I don't care. Uh, he might hang out. I'd hang out with Doctor Strange. No, Yeah, no powers. I, 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 like, I, yeah give is, me one of those beers and how's this work? And he's yeah, an, an attorney. attorney. Don't send I mean, us the uh,
1: don't send us the comic issues where they went on adventures. They, I get it, but like you know, the general Netflix Daredevil is not hanging out with Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay, that's
0: all I'm saying. <laughs> They're not fighting the same people. Daredevil would have got that gauntlet off of Thanos. Daredevil would have, well, well Daredevil oh, wouldn't, he, right. would he would have, he would have knocked out Quill, because he would have the common sense to knock yeah, out right. to wake up the ice.
2: <laughs> you jackass, right, stick in the back of the head, done. Yeah. Boom, billy okay, club. He back in business,
0: please. Yeah,
1: he would have fucking ricocheted the billy club off like Iron Man's helmet or something, <laughs> <And knocked him laughs> right into Quill's nuts.
0: <laughs> like, I don't have any magic powers, but you know what, I have the power, I can understand, this guy's a threat, this is a problem.
1: Like I just as a real aside, I'm sorry. Like I totally get what they were doing with that part to create more tension and drama, but fuck Quill, dude. Like right?
0: Like I'm sorry. All right. Well, I'm, I'm hashtag fuck Quill. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that a little bit like the one dude from Vox Machina too? The uh the the one who's driven by vengeance?
1: Oh Percy, yeah. He's a yeah, like totally Percy. Like- but like, still going off of his own thing, you know? At least they played up with that. Like, what the fuck
0: are you doing, dude? You know. I don't uh, want to spoil anything, but that demon was pretty awesome. That, that, was, a, that was a pretty awesomely animated demon. No, yeah. Yeah, they did a good job with that. They did a good job with anyway, so, bye. let's look at the other side of this question. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about how we think you should handle... You know, handle these rules bending, right? And and the bottom line is, yeah, you're free to do it. We and we we all have house rolled things and bent rules. And, and my very first one, my very first long running D D campaign, I invented a werewolf class because one of my players wanted to play a werewolf. Totally invented, <laughs> not in the books anywhere. Just made it up. <laughs> and that and actually that worked out fine. They didn't. I don't feel like that backfired, but you do wind up on a slippery slope where now, okay, I made this guy really cool and did him a favor, and I'm gonna make this guy really cool and do him a favor too. And you wind up, it can put you in a bad spot. So you might be a little better off thinking about it from from a non-mechanical point of view and more from an items of boons point of view.
2: Funny story there. My character then acquired something that allowed me to cast all the spells. Did I do that? Yes. I think I have. I think I've done it before, but yes, not my... like a first level. Like it's like high level. Oh no no. This is the, yes. this is like ninety percent of the campaign. I absorb the, the Will, magical energies around yes. the planet.
1: <laughs> I think yeah. an important point of that though too is we talk a lot of times about different rules bending and different ideas work very differently in different systems. And Second and Edition and Five E are wildly different. We talk about that all the time. That that. The way TSR used to write stuff uh, allowed a level of that that was just inherent in the game, where 5e and some of the editions right before it do not. They don't really. You can do it, but it comes with more baggage if you yeah. start to right because it's it's much more streamlined. It's much more put together in that way.
0: Having said that, I mean I, I don't disagree, and we've we've talked about that a lot. I'm a big fan of keeping it real and quote-unquote gritty, although I don't feel like it's gritty, but, like, keeping things, like, kind of grounded through the lower levels. Like, yeah, yeah you're, you're camping, you know? No, no, you are not on the astral plane, if I could help it, at level three. That's not what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'd rather you didn't have can I'd rather you're still throwing darts and had to do it the hard way. Because at the end of the campaign, we're going to roll out the big magics, and open things up because it's going to be a slow opening up of the power level in my games. When I get to higher levels, then I'm not afraid to kind of do stuff like, okay, you're twenty, you know, you're like 19th level, you die, you die, your god is very happy with the services that you rendered, and it gives you the opportunity to become an avatar. Now you're an avatar of your deity, and you come back with like a whole nother slate of stuff you can do, including much like things like unlimited spellcasting and stuff like that. Tony's character in that particular game, Hazard, had gone through a period where he first of all, he came into the game kind of middle of the game and really real, really wrecked shit with his uh you know, kind, of, kind of shenanigan interpretations of how something's worked. So I, yeah, I, I don't need to be accurate to anything, they just land on things.
2: <laughs> that <is> not how <laughs> the, the magic works. of the nineties, guys. So <laughs> would we, would,
0: yeah, that that was not how that spell was written in second edition. So when we get to you know the player is a veteran, will constantly try to bend the rules to give themselves an edge. That is exactly what Tony, and one of our other buddies, did when they came into the campaign at like ninth level. So I put them in a world with no magic. So you told the wizard Tony's wizard had to really get very creative at that point. But the world had no magic because the magic was all suspended in this weave above the world, kind of like a yeah kind of like a spell plucky kind of idea. You know basically the gods that someone had decided magic was too dangerous and they gotten rid of it. And now it was kind of suspended out in space, basically. And Tony's character eventually wound up getting it. And when he absorbed that 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 field, he got he became a god of magic and got all the magic. Oh. But that was like level 18 or something. Like it was high level. That's the that's how I tend to play these things. Like, no, you can't come in at first level and, and not have to memorize spells. But when we get to level 18 and I'm giving everyone cool stuff, yeah, then that's on the table. But that's the power curve, right? You know. Low level, you're fighting goblins. High level, you're killing deities. It's a different world. Mm. One of the things I wanted to get to in this, and it's kind of really ties, it, it goes into the other email, the other message a little more. But it also applies to Jedi Shocker's message. How do you handle the player in this situation? So how do you take, the players come to you with an idea of how they want to handle things. Or that I just don't want to have to deal with this thing or whatever they, whatever rule they want to bend. How do you approach it? You know, do you just let them do whatever they want to do? If not, how do you get them on your side? How do you take control of the situation and kind of find a happy medium? Like, like how do you approach the DM player relationship side of this? There's definitely been times where uh, the group has come at me and
2: been like, this is how we feel. This, uh, this is a rule we absolutely want to include, like the godforsaken critical hit-and-miss system. I wouldn't say that's,
0: the whole group, but yes.
2: Yeah, like that's one <laughs> of the things... You know, the, the, we talk about the article about the tough realities of being a DM. Yeah, here's one of them. There's a rule that sucks balls. And they're like, <laughs> we are play, we're running this and we're not going to play in the game unless we have this because we love this. And I'm like, it's terrible. And I said this in the beginning. It worked like 10 years ago. And they're like, no, we need this. And then a character died every other game for six games. And, I mean, died, died. So it's not like we revivified them. As <laughs> the second edition, people died. I mean...
0: Well, the, the funny thing about that was all the players who wanted it had built high-constitution characters so they could survive one of these critical hits. But if you came into the game with a dex character, well, the way that critical hit system worked, they didn't have to roll a hit. They just had to roll a one and happened to roll you randomly, and you died. My dwarf cleric NPC took an arrow to the neck From the ranger
2: on like times four or five damage. No, his iron dwarven constitution (laughs) did not save him when it it pierced his windpipe. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I I, came in there, I came in at first with a dex based bard, and that bard lasted, I think, two games. (laughs) (laughs) It was like if you you could find it in your heart to forgive us, you know, your heart, which is somewhere over on that tree, (laughs) (laughs) you can come back and play another character, but you still have to deal with our hit critical hit system. Nort, the slagger was a, he was the second character in that game and he came in with a, abnormally high constitution for a wizard <laughs> good choice
2: good choice <laughs>
1: yeah that just it just shows you different times and different uh philosophies and stuff bring different ideas and i i can totally see that the first time tony runs me through a game which was storm kings and i bring him Roderick the cursed tuberculosis bard and he's like um uh uh so anyway what do you think about uh maybe raising a couple of these st- <laughs> and i can always see it like flashbacks in his mind you know <laughs> yeah yeah honestly like uh, that when, was when first... has flashbacks of anakin you know <laughs> it's just, Oh god no, there's so much blood
2: <laughs> i've really never had a character someone bring me a character like i'm really excited to play this character and i'm like um okay so about that curve you're going to benefit from this curve
0: because uh, <laughs> we're going to bring some of these up. You got, it. yeah. you got to survive. Okay. I can't, you know, that's the other side of like, you. Know, people always talk they're proud of players who are willing to play characters with suboptimal abilities. Yeah. They never talk about the DM who has to try not to kill them randomly <laughs> somewhere through the third session. Well, that's the
1: point. And that's an important point that has nothing to do with our discussion here, but I'll make the point anyway. If you're bringing characters like that, and you want to role play that, you have to accept the consequences of role playing a character like that. When I brought Roderick, I had no illusion that I was just going to breeze through, and Tony was just going to keep me alive. If I got, if I died, I die, and you know, tell my story to the others, kind of thing. Um, So yeah, you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too in that way. You have to you have to play it the way it lies in that way.
0: But it's not just your cake. It's the DM's cake too, and I think, Tony, uh-huh. and this is a great example because Tony loved the Rodder character, you know. So I can sympathize because like you're like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you want to play it where it lays, and and the DMs they're like, but I want your character for story reasons. <laughs> your character is fun to me. I don't
2: want to play this. <laughs> I'm not the man behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're not saying Roderick had plot armor. We are saying Tony can be very subtle in how what he wants to happen in his game. Yeah. That's very well
2: to be fair, your barbarian's like, so if anybody attacks anybody else but me for any reason, they almost certainly miss and I get to attack them. Like that was the ability she had.
0: We had a good tactical party in that. That was that was the barbarian was up front blocking, Jang running around disrupting. And basically we really did, between me and the barbarian, we really did try to keep everyone off the casters. Like yes. to the best of our ability, because like if someone's behind, like I'm like sprinting back there with my reach to try and to walk. not a good tank, that's not
2: what I do yeah, very effectively <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was it was a good, it was that was a very actually, it was a very good party. But that's okay, we're we are deep in an aside. Let's
2: come On back
1: a, to the, question. Off the field, but in all seriousness, with that, with your question, with that, I, I would approach it the way I just was saying about what I first thought of when I read Jedi Shocker's Instagram message, where I went well that's a ludicrous idea you just i get to prepare all the things and i'm dr strange beating up drug dealers with daredevil like that's bullshit but what if we did this you know something like that and i would almost like counter offer it and say okay you brought me this this is your christmas wish list these three things are absolutely out but this one is kind of fun how could we play with this
0: as as probably has come across a little bit, I'm a little bit of a control freak of my world mechanics. No, like when players bring in, <laughs> I want to do this thing. I want to change the rules in this way. Sometimes we'll just be uh, no. <laughs> my my approach to the game is the world. The, the your characters are yours. The world is mine. So what I tend to do is they come and say I want to be able to do this. I you know here's this thing I want to I want to I want to be, be and if they have the mechanics fleshed out, I'd rather they didn't because that's not their job in the game. Right. Also, I will say universally when a player has brought me something like when Tony brought me his Storm Giant, like Tony made the wish that that he wanted his, his character Erasmus to become half to, to, to be to become to be infused with Storm Giant. Yeah. Tony brought me the first version of that. And he's like, yeah, this is totally balanced. And it wasn't. Like to like when I looked at it, like it, it didn't fit the power curve. We went through and I balanced it.
2: I'm a and CR co- 13 and we're a level five party. What is the problem?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see no issue here. And Tony, <laughs> I don't see what your problem is. This is Wait, what are you
1: talking about? What? that's not is what? <sighs> I'm a
0: uh, of
2: the club now, 88 plus nine. No problem. But keep
0: this in mind. I mean, this is this is Tony. This is someone who's been DMing for you know 30 years, uh, or damn near it. He knows the rules. He knows the power curves. He's making a good faith... I, I believe he was making a good faith effort to make something he could bring right into the game. But when I went and benchmarked it, it wasn't. And that's a player who knows how to do this. That's a player who does break I the I need rule, to see my original
2: draft of Erasmus now.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? So, like, even in that situation, in good faith, the, what the player brought me was still broken compared to the rest of the party. So it's almost always the case that what they want to do is not quite in the power curve or what is going to fit the party. So I think as a DM, you got to take what they want and then figure out, okay, here's what I can give you here. Here's how this can work in my game because you just need to balance it. And you're the one who knows best how it's going to play out. I got two examples there. So it's funny. You
2: say that uh, I had something else and you gave me something else. And I have to tell you at the time when I got that, I was super happy with it. I'm like, Fucking Right on. Like you nailed it. Like we kind of really collaborated on it. Yeah. And you got all the things like he said, like all the dumb little aspects, like he's aquatic now, you know, so I can not drive the kiddie pool. I mean, stuff <laughs> like that. I thought that was really I had absolutely zero complaints about uh, how you did it. So. I think in the the thing there is if we don't let one aspect of it run too hog wild, where it's problematic, but like you get allow other lesser flavor things, it feels more satisfying. Like what Dave did with my uh, idea with the sword. I mean, I got that. And I have to tell you. Mm, it, no complaints
0: no complaints nope <laughs> the sword that can what is it drink spells right I mean, <laughs> I'm going to quietly keep
2: that on my in my
0: sheath. no
2: it it
1: has um, it has a, a mechanic that could possibly deflect
0: certain spells right you know, I've actually some... done that before. It's such a cool yeah. mechanic. I've, I've actually played with that before. Well, it's
1: it's straight up the He-Man sword, right? Shh. So, like,
0: yeah. deflected, like deflect
1: it, right? So it deflects, you know, no biggie,
0: whatever. Well, we used to have parry rules, and I think I had put in that you could use your parry to also deflect spells on someone's weapon at one point. All right. So we, 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 we talked about, like, we had a competitive parry. Like, you could actually make an attack against their attack. You could use one of your attacks to make an attack against a guy attack against their attack roll to parry with their attack to make sure they didn't hit you.
1: But then Um, for also spells as well.
0: Well, someone had a sword that allowed them to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: certain magic sword, right? Just like a lightsaber can catch like the lightning. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: exactly. Yeah. And deflect blaster bolts. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because you – know, and I'm really glad, Tony. I'm really glad you liked that character because we we, because we did go back and forth on it. And it was one of these things where like, Tony had exactly what he wanted, and I knew the work I had to do on the back end to make it work. And I had a little – it took me a while to get there, so he's like, come on. <laughs> but once I got there – like, because the thing is, what's funny is the players looking at it from one point of view of what's going to be broken or not broken and fit or not fit – But you're running everything, so only you, only the DM really understands that. So I actually gave the character several things I think Tony thought was broken. But I took away other things that to me were broken in how I wanted to run the game, and it worked out. You know, it's be, be, because I kind of fit it into, okay, so here's where I'm okay with you like, kind of breaking the rules and I can handle this because I can, I can plan, I can, I can work this, like I can, I can absorb this into the wider world. So it's not going to break anything. Whereas this other set of stuff to me would have been harder to handle. And the, the player doesn't know what you're going to have a harder time handling. Um, mm. We did it very collaboratively. And it comes down to what we, we've talked about before. And Dave, you made this point many times before. And Tony as well. You got to trust your DM. Actually, I think it was Tony's point. I, I, I don't want to miss an attribute here. But you got to trust the DM. The player has to trust the DM to work with them. And as a DM, you need to create an environment where the player is having fun after you're ruling so they trust you moving forward. Mm, Well said. So then, so we talked about the Jedi Shocker. What about this other one? When the player is aggressively pushing to bend the rules to the benefit all the time, how do you handle that?
2: You're certainly not going to win every battle. But you know what? I have to tell you, there's one time where we... We're using prismatic spray, this is like in second edition, incorrectly. We had a big conversation about it. We're like, no, this is how we should be using prismatic spray. And everybody agreed, right. And the next game, somebody uses a critical situation the wrong way. They're like, no, no, this opponent's hit with every ray. And we're like, no. We just had this conversation. What we do is get the whole game right, but we all sat around the round table. We talked about it. We had the the player's handbooks out. We read the spell. We all agreed.
0: No. Player memories can be very short for for decisions they don't like. Convenience. Like a selective memory. (laughs) immediately short. Yes.
1: Especially yes. in a, in tense situations when you really need it to work a certain way, right?
0: I mean do you not win them all? Isn't losing a rules battle to one of your players like kinda like you know when the when 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 a, when the son like if it's like letting a, a son beat up his, like you're a father and your son finally like you know kind of like 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 beats you in wrestling or something. Can't you not let that happen? Like that's you not cross to right now. If win. I do that I lose all control of this house. I'm winning this <laughs> uh,
2: No, a lifetime of management, I'm gonna tell you no, I certainly don't win uh every battle. That that's not true.
1: Yeah, no, you can't you're not but I don't even think it it needs to come down to that type of thing of like it, it needs to be a battle where you have to win it or not. I think it comes down to what we talked about just I mean, what a couple of episodes ago, Thor, where we were talking about how um when a player is getting a little bit too uh too much about this is how I want this thing to work. Even if it's a, the way the rule is kind of worded or whatever, in the end, the DM is the DM. And once that's established and, you know, sometimes you have to check them and say like, how about I'm going to play the DM now, you know, type of thing. If they're not going to respect that and they're going to keep pushing at the same level, that's, that's a big, big red flag for me because that shows that one, they're not really a, a great friend. Um, and two, they're not really great to be at your table. You know, mm-hmm. if they're going to like, they're going to see that this is not cool. And then they're just going to keep doing it.
0: Like, uh. Eh. Ooh, ooh, he made the, you, you pulled out the not a great friend card, but it's true, right? Cause well, we're I mean, all to it, have a good time. Well, it's, it's, it's different.
1: Uh, because you read a lot of reports that was a report. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> you read a lot of posts.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I, read I, read me- I a lot of e players don't know about those. There's yeah, a DM scanner, whole thing.
1: I have a lot of memos that come in. <laughs> um, But no, like a lot of posts and stuff. People who are playing in, you know, they're running like an Adventurers League thing at the game store. And it's a bunch of strangers at the table. Totally different. But the majority of people are playing with people who are all friends around a table. And that has to, in the end, that has to be the the top priority, in my mind. And if somebody's going to push like that, even after you have a discussion with them, like, that's fucked up, man. You know,
0: that's just fucked up.
2: All right? It, 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 yeah. That, that's, that's a little off the rails, so I'm, I'm kind of with you on that, too.
0: It is. That's true. It's true. I've been in some situations, though, where, you know, the, uh, we're we're. we're we have definitely had some some groups where players were not that emo- were, we're not quite that evolved at that point. You know, we're keeping in mind we've been playing since we were like you know.
1: Oh well, like, yeah, if you're twelve, 12, like different. yeah, yeah. Maybe, oh, even, no. maybe, I've, even, I've, even I've in college. Even... Oh no, I mean, I wasn't an adult That's until I was like thirty-seven years old. I'm right. not saying that, but like...
0: Yeah, I'm 44. I'm not sure I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm still working on it. <laughs> um, but like I think so. So how do you – so how I would probably handle this situation is, unfortunately, this player is putting pressure on you to know all the rules, which kind of sucks because you kind of have to get more exact in your rulings and make sure they're more either by the book, which might mean you have to stop more often and look things up to make sure that it is what it says it is, which I have done. I will absolutely stop and look something up rather than kind of get railroaded into something that doesn't work for me. Or as we talk talked about, sometimes I'll say, okay, we'll work it that way for now. But that might change. I'll take a look at the rule after we're done. The you know, I'll take a look at that rule later, and and we might change that moving forward. But it's going to work that way tonight. You yeah. know, so, so you you have to kind of lay down. You have to be able to lay down that kind of aspect of the law of saying it's going to work the way either it works in the book, or by the rulings we've agreed on, or by the rulings I've made as the DM, and you, know, you guys agreed to me to be DM. And then the player still keeps. You know, it's kind of a matter of how hard are they pushing this, right? Is it just that they're like, I think it works this way, and I want it to work this way, and you say no, and they're okay, or is it that they keep <laughs> pushing on it? They keep kind of basically being like, well, I gotta have my way, or I'm not happy. Because, um, like Dave said, if it's not, I gotta have my way, or I'm not happy, that's a big red flag, and you kind of gotta, you know, I would, I would be reluctant to kick a guy out of the game for that, but I think you then need to start playing a much more by- raw rules as written game, so you can show everything on paper. Well, that's not how that works.
2: Hmm. Yeah, one of the things I positively love about 5e is that we came into these games and we're like, okay, especially in the beginning, don't try any really kooky shit. If it's in the book, great, this is what you got. Because in second edition, like, I'd be like, we love second edition, it's the greatest system ever. Let me hand you our set of house rules. All five volumes. Boom. There they are.
0: Oh, by the way, we're playing 1.5 editions. It so mix the first edition and second edition rules. You're going to need to know all those. <laughs>
2: and I, I kind of <laughs> retrofitted
0: some stuff in third that I liked it here because they had some good ideas. Still. Just because it was such a crunchy system. There's a couple basic things we threw in there, too. just from the just from the blue books. <laughs> yeah,
2: so if you, uh, yeah, please read those five uh, volumes real fast and get back to me. Um, and, and honestly, as a DM, that takes an enormous amount of pressure off you. But really, I think the important thing is, is the argument correct? That is what we should be getting to. Are they sure. really, mm. are we getting to the core? Like, is, does this really make sense? Can I not do a called shot? Can I not do a parry? Should I just be able, I mean, you know, ha- have we really found something that's good that we should keep and even consider using in a different game? Or, you know, are we grasping at straws?
1: Hmm. Also, I mean, yeah. that, that's a great point, Tone, but uh, to piggyback off it, too, especially if it's a veteran player and you're maybe a newer DM, which I believe that email was saying, right? He's kind of new to – he or she is new to DMing. No, I don't
0: think the, the – Didn't say anything DMs about to, that. But the DM said that the other player is a veteran. Very veteran. Yeah. So Go the player the should things. basically the DM that, that 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 listener said the DM should, that the player should know better. They 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 know enough to not be pulling these shenanigans. They're well, just, that's
1: definitely. Know. I mean, that's that de- we've talked about that many times. Be the player that you want at your table, kind of thing. But I would also say too, uh, especially if you have veteran gamers or people who know the system well, we talk about this a lot. Sometimes that is the rule, and if you are ruling against it because. Uh, of ignorance like because you just don't know that that's the rule well that's gonna that's a little bit of a different conversation yes it's still within your purview but we've talked about this before that's where you start to rob players of the ability to know well what is in the rule what rules can i use and what ones can i uh and that's where if it's raw and you're playing by that you know in a way that kind of has to honor and that Thor, you've done that pretty much through the majority of Woodstock, uh, especially in the very, very beginning, uh, you know, tier, first, second tier, where it was very – we're starting to open it a little bit more now because we've been playing for a while. Um, But, yeah, it was very much like, well, the rule kind of – just like we're doing in Call of Cthulhu, history trumps – uh you know the rules or your world in a way right because your world is history in a way right just with you know cthulhu monsters you know
0: but it does come down to that question of you know, it comes back to what path are you on are you on the role are you DMing it by raw or are you dming by kind of physical world real world logic to the greatest extent you can or are you dming by rule of cool and as you move along that spectrum Raw is much easier to control a player like this yeah. and keep things on the up and up because you have a rule book to refer to and say this works or this doesn't based on the rules. And you have all these other – you can go to Jeremy Crawford's tweets and get his interpretations on them and say that's to the rule. That's how we're playing it. So Raw is good for teaching games and it's good for situations like this where you've got it where, the, where players are, are trying to push boundaries in a way that is harmful to the game. You need to keep things you, – you need a point of reference. Physical world is good when you have a player when you have players who are pretty problem solving focused, pretty but still want to be rules focused, you know, where they want a game that's not super fanciful, but they want a game where they can do creative things and go off a roll when it makes sense. When they want a game that makes sense, that middle path is good. When they want a game that's just as highly cinematic and cool as it can be, that's when rule of cool works. But the further out there you get, the more this guy who's liable to push the to push the boundary is going to be a problem because the further you get from the rules, the harder it is to say, well, that's just the rules because well, we've these other rules, why not this one? Yeah. So, you know, guys, we've been going on for a little bit here. So why don't we get to some final thoughts about bending the rules to make your players happy? I appreciate
2: when characters or players feel very strongly about things because they're invested in their characters. I mean, you know, you're 20 something games in you obviously care about this character. You stuck around. So when they think they're getting the short end of the stick, I could see that some people getting upset. But ultimately, all rulings aren't supposed to go your way. And as I said previously, I would really focus on both DM and the player in this situation. What really makes the most sense, not what's helping you in this situation. Because that's really gotta be the guiding principle. Yeah. Regardless what the raw is. I mean, really, does this make sense? Is this really in the context and the continuity of our game, does this jive? And if it doesn't, well, then move on. Very middle road.
1: No, that's a that's a that's a good way to think of it, that kind of verisimilitude of the world and whether it works with that. As I said, I think we all three of us have done this. We talked about examples where we did it, where someone comes to us with an idea. And that's cool um one thing is you know D D is not burger king so you can't just have it your way right like that's just it's, <laughs> right it's, that's why i also couldn't do the any way you want it song from journey in the beginning it wouldn't have been it would have sent the wrong message you know mm, that's deep um but we all have done it where a player brings us something because as tony just said too that shows a level of investment they have thought a little bit, at least, about this character outside of the four hours that you're sitting down and playing, right? So that's awesome. And you should want to try to incentivize that. So we all w- have talked about ways we bring, in essence, a counter offer and say, that's kind of cool in my world or in this campaign. What if dot, dot, dot we worked it this way mm-hmm. and work it in a way, Thorne, you've said this in the past, work it in a way that works for the world, like. Uh, You said that about the wrestling rules that I put in for Curse of Now, that was obviously for Hawk's character because he wanted to be a wrestler. But anyone who wants to learn wrestling in Barovia or attempt wrestling would go by those same types of rules. So something like that, where it's the way the world works, is a much better way to go about it than just, oh, that's how it works for Steve's character. Um, because, again, you do not want to make it where Doctor Strange is hanging out with Daredevil when he's beating up. He's not fighting the hand. He's just beating up a bank robber, you know, who just, like, took over Stan's deli. That's not very exciting as a role-playing game, right? So that's where I'm going to leave it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's the tricky thing here with, with all this stuff is that, okay, the player has a cool idea or they have an idea that they think is cool uh that they think works that they think should work or a way they want to play it and dave's right there's shown investment and you like to reward investment in the character like that but the trick is many times what they bring to the table is actually something that is going to be far above the power level the other players have access to oh. so either then you've got to give everyone the chance to be superpowered, or you've got to find another way to handle this i'm not opposed to saying no to things like this at first level especially Like, I actually really like, I'd I'd really much rather your first level character comes in by the book. We'll get off, we'll get further away from the book as the game goes on, as I've described. But when a character comes, when a player comes in and they're like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to play this, but I want it to be like that and that and that. If it's just story stuff, it's one thing. If it's real game mechanic stuff, it's another. And as we've seen with the keen mind feat, you know, as much as that's kind of a cool way to address it that really makes the wizard like what's the difference now between a wizard and a sorcerer, right? The wizard's just, now this wizard is just a sorcerer with more spells. That's all, mm. it is. you know, and, 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 and the ability to cast more spells and all they don't have is the, the you know, they can, they can take the feet for the, for the, for the uh, meta magic if they want it. So you've got to be careful about letting players do stuff like that, where it's like, it looks cool. Maybe it looks cool to them as a, in like alone. Maybe you'd allow it in a solo game where they're mm. the player but when you gotta fit them in with other players, you can't let them break the rules so far that everyone else looks at you like, well, why couldn't I do something like that? Or everyone looks at you two games down the road like, I'm just like, I might, we might as well sit here and let Steve handle everything because he's the biggest badass the world's ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you you don't want it to be that. You gotta you gotta manage on that level. So early on coming into the game, I'm likely to say no, but I might do something where it's like, no for now. we might work something in like that later later on in the game i'm wide open doing these sorts of things i often spring them on characters without being players without being i often spring them on players without being asked but you know at that point it's late in the game at that point everything's super powered and crazy you're throwing multiple Tiamat's at them or whatever. So that's a Seems different fair. <laughs> you wake up in Tiamat's stomach. What do you do? <laughs> Who are you? Dungeon
1: Master from the 80s? In the cartoon? Yeah. Hey, that's level serious. one adventurer. No,
0: he's throwing so, he's so, he's so, he's so, he's so level one characters of the baby unicorn at this stuff. Come on. Yeah. So what the unit. fuck, man? The unicorn alone was child endangerment, man. That was a guy that was not a good dungeon master. No, he's a predator. <laughs> so. You know, that approach, I think, you know, you've got to make it fit into your game. And at the end of the game, at the end of the day, the DM's the one who's in charge of making all these things balance. So you're responsible for that. And you gotta figure out, can I do this within that balance? Uh, we kicked around some ideas about ways you could approach it. And, you know, the idea I, I really recommend putting it on something you can take away if you need to. Um, not that the player will like that. But at least then you have a little more control over the situation. As far as handling players who are constantly trying to push the limits of the rules, bend the rules in their favor, there, you know, it really comes down to just the more you have a player like that, the more solid you have to be on your own rules knowledge, or the more willing you have to be able to slow the game down to make sure things are by the book, because that's the best way to control that kind of player. Is if you just stop them on their on their shenanigans and be like and just be like, no, well, this is what the book says and that's how we're playing it, or you have someone look it up. Yeah, I got to tell you, when when a when, when you're suddenly looking up everything a player tells you works, they kind of get the hint. You know, when you get to Steve's <laughs> turn, and seems like yeah, I do this because this works that way. And you're like, does it? Doesn't really, get Bob. You look that up, please. I just want to make sure we're doing this right. You know, you get to that point, and when, and when every time they want to do something, your second get, you're, you're you're making sure it works by the book. They start to get the picture. You know that yeah, this can. isn't worth the shenanigans. Okay, maybe let's just go ahead and play by the book. You know, you can put a little pressure on. Uh, that's a little. That's a little. little advanced. Uh, <laughs> a, little, a little. A little bit of an advanced technique for putting a little pressure on. You know, when they know the game slows down whenever it gets to their turn. He's this guy, that kind of player tends to lighten up on it. Um, that's all the advice I have.
1: Guys, I feel like we need to uh, apologize to any of our listeners that are named Steve. Because we've used him as, like, the A-hole example for, like, an hour now. And I don't know
0: why. and Are we made that, Steve the new Karen?
1: Yeah. I'm so, we're sorry, Steve.
0: We'd we like to apologize to all the Steves out there. We're sure Who you're Steve, a super cool with, guy. With. <laughs> and,
2: and let it be known that no harm came to Stan's Deli in any way during this podcast. No. no Absolutely.
1: No, Doctor Strange just transported it to another dimension because you have him fighting with Daredevil. That's a bad comic. That's a bad comic. <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you guys for joining me on this conversation. And thank you all from who are listening. Thank you all who are listening from home for listening to another episode of three wise DMS. We really appreciate the support. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five star rating in your podcast platform. That kind of thing really helps us get the word out. If you'd like to hear us answer your question, Uh, go to threewisedms.com. dms.com, enter in the what's your problem field, or send us an email at threewise dms at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're active on all those channels and we're you know in in this one alone. We got we we talked about one comment that came in through the website, and another comment that came in through Instagram. So we we love it when you ask us questions that we can talk answer on the air, and we'd love to help you with your problems whenever we can. Or at least maybe we just talk and give you some perspective or you just hear us ramble about them and Crap, we've seen players. Do. Yes, and it, clears, <laughs> it clears your mind of the yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If nothing else, we can commiserate, all right? <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird for... form of ASMR. It just comes you. <laughs> we do. We do. We, we, love, we love getting your questions and being able to help you with your actual problems. Let's keep sending those. In. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. On Wise DMs.